0: Yes, Lord, this is our prayer that all the other names and distractions would fade away. Forgive us for enthroning other gods before you. I know we would never really say that, but in reality, our lives is filled with idols. Our lives are filled with other names that are on par with yours. But may we realize that it is at the name of Jesus that every knee is going to bow. May we realize, O God, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run in and are safe. So, Father, I pray, O God, for the remainder of our gathering, that your name wouldn't just be heard through that song, but it would be preached about and that it would be remembered as we take up communion. So we give you glory. We give you honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Man, Well, good afternoon, Epiphany Church. It is good to be with you guys. Why don't you look at somebody and just say, I'm happy to see you. Come on, they wasn't feeling you. Turn to somebody else and tell them I'm happy to see you today. It is good to be here. Always good to be gathered with God's people uh, surrounded around the, uh, the work of Jesus Christ. I really do have a strong desire to knock off a large portion of of Scripture today. Uh, there, there's a lot of reading, so if you'll bear with me, there's a lot of reading that we're going to do today, but why don't you grab your Bibles and run to Romans chapter 5, and once you get there, put your thumb in it and make a left turn and get to Genesis 2. And you guys are millennials, so just go to Genesis 2, because I, I, I know y'all on y'all phones. But if you have a physical, if you're spiritual and you have a physical copy, go to Go to a shade again. <laughs> Go to Romans, go to Romans, because everybody that says, Shay, hold up your Bible. <laughs> right, right. I see you, Chelsea. Genesis 2 is where we're going to be. Hey, Ty had a birthday yesterday, y'all. Man, man I want to honor, I want to honor my wife, but I, I say it all the time, but I genuinely mean it. She really is my best friend. Uh, man love her anyway oh yeah happy birthday to her she she really honestly man there, there's a lot that she does and serves and a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you don't uh that you don't know and some of you have been impacted by uh conversation with her for me she I mean she sharpens me she digs deep down into stuff that i'm not even thinking or saying uh but at the same time she knows how to really convict you deeply and lift you back up at the same time so uh, we honor honor you today all right we're in the book of Romans today we're going to uh meet in Genesis for a little bit. One of the things I love is that our church really is passionate about being in a book of the bible and and i'm grateful i'm I'm really grateful that uh we're we're a church that doesn't just do topical, although i'm not against topical uh, but I really love the fact that. We're a church that values the word of God, the infallible word of God, and we work through it scripture by scripture. Some weeks it's like, ah, that really wasn't applicable, but nevertheless, I need it. It's necessary. It, it it's it's eating the vegetables, not just eating the cake and the cookies, but it's eating the stuff that is good for you, but sometimes it doesn't. It's not always palatable. And Paul has really been challenging us over the last several weeks if we've been as we've been going through Uh, really several months as we've been going through the book of Romans. But one of the things I know for sure is that we will not understand the passage today until we understand what took place in Genesis 2 and what took place in Genesis chapter 3. I'll go on record to say if you don't understand that, it's hard to understand Scripture overall. If you don't understand what happened in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, you don't understand the gospel. I'm just going to go ahead on record and say that's how important Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 is. And Paul is going to uh, talk about that passage with us today. So I'm going to be a little different today. Let me announce the topic, pray, and then we'll dig in. I want to talk today about the topic of, from the topic of the war within. Look at somebody and say, do you know that there's a war within you? Let's look to the Lord. Father, we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but we do so because of your great mercy. So, Father, we pray, O oh God, that today as we dig into your word, we do not presume that you would just automatically meet us. But, Father, we are we don't you don't need an invitation, but we're inviting you in right now to speak to us, to dig into the nitty gritty of our hearts. And, Father, may we walk out today uh, and feel the weight of this word, uh, feel the weight of not just the word, uh, but through the scriptures. May we grab all of the nutrients that is in this passage And Use it for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen. The war within. Uh, I was born in 1980, and uh, that means uh, that I grew up through the 80s and I grew up through the 90s. And I told you guys a couple of weeks ago that the 80s and the 90s just had the best music, and I stand by that. (laughs) Uh, But the 80s and the 90s did not just have the best music, but the 80s and the 90s also had the best cartoons. I mean, it was just some cartoons in the '80s and '90s: Tailspin, uh, Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck, Looney Tunes. Y'all remember Looney Tunes? <laughs> 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 Y'all don't remember it? Oh, there it is. Y'all remember the rest? <laughs> Y'all remember. (laughs) Amen. So what I love about the cartoons in the 80s and the 90s is that the writer uh, would always want to depict the inner conflict of one of the characters. But when they would do so, they would do so by putting an angel on the right shoulder. Y'all remember this? And the devil with a pitchfork on the left shoulder it would be the person. And you could tell that they were consciously wrestling and one would say, do this and go this way. And the other one would speak against uh, what that one was saying and go this way. And really what was happening was that there was a war inside that person's mind. And Paul really is picking up the pen today and writing in Romans. And that is what he's dealing with. He's telling us that the one that has been purchased by Jesus Christ has put their faith in Jesus Christ inside of you. There are two natures. Inside of you, one of those natures, it it, it really wants to pull you back and bring you uh, bring you down. But the other one wants to lift you up. Now, what I love about Paul is Paul doesn't just give us this imagery of the inner war and the inner conflict. But he does so by giving us two representatives. The first representative is a man named Adam. The second representative that he gives us in Scripture is is Jesus Christ. And those two natures, those two inside of you, listen to me and listen to me well, they don't work well together. The nature of Adam does not work well with the nature of Christ. It's almost like what Gabe said a few weeks ago. I think he was prophetic. The Spirit of the Lord was on him when he said that chocolate and mint don't go together. They, it just, it, there's no combination that that works. I don't care what you say. I don't. The devil's a liar, and so are you. So... Listen to me. Those two don't just I don't care if it's ice cream. I don't care if it's chocolate bar, whatever it is. It's nasty. Don't work. Now, I like mint and I like chocolate. I just don't like mint and chocolate. And inside of every single one of us, there is a war. And those two war Adams, uh, Adams, nature and the nature of Christ just don't seem to mix. Because here's the reality. Adam brought you down with his decision, but Christ lifts you up with his sacrifice. And what Paul is going to present once we finally get to Romans chapter 5, Paul is going to present the idea to us that we are sinners because of Adam, but we are justified because of Christ. But before we do that, let's do a little bit of work in Genesis chapter 2 because... One of the things I learned in preaching classes is that you never assume that people understand the story. I don't care if you grew up in church. I don't care if you went to Sunday school. I don't care if you think you know the story. Let's go back over it and read the original sin like we've never read it before. Look at verse 15. We're in Genesis chapter 2. I don't know if that air is broke, but if we can get that air on, that'd be good. Genesis chapter 2. If somebody can, yeah, grab that. Thank you. Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 15. The Lord God took the man Adam. And placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and to watch it. And the Lord commanded the man, look at this. You are free to eat from every tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. It is important for us to understand that God gave Adam in the garden everything that he needed to thrive in life. There's really two things he gave him. The first thing is, don't miss this, it's so simple, but it's important. The first thing that God gives Adam in the garden is a sense of responsibility. How do I know that? Because he gave him a daggone job. The first thing that Adam gets after God creates him is an occupation, is responsibility. And the problem with us is we look at our jobs as though it's a consequence of the fall. But in reality, Adam got a job in chapter two. He don't fall until chapter three. In other words, God is sitting in heaven like it's a part of my creative genius. you working. is not a It's not a consequence for Adam doing wrong. Now, yes, you got to work by the sweat of your brow now, but it's a part of how God created and, and wired this thing to work. He wired it so that you would have a responsibility. But here's the problem. We complain about what God wants to use to bring himself glory. You complain about your job and God is like, but that's 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 the place I have you so that people around you can know that you're salt and that you're light. We show up late. We 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 act like we sick and we put the sick voice on and we call out just so we can do brunch and have a rest day and have a chill day. But in reality, God is like, but that job that you are complaining about, I put you on that job so that you can reflect my glory so that you can reflect what real responsibility looks like. And let's stop. If you're complaining about the job that you go to, here's the reality. You might need to pray and ask God to switch careers. Because what we've done is we've allowed money to help us to make the decision. I'll take less money as long as I'm fulfilled at what I'm doing. I need somebody to say amen right there. I'll take less resources as long as I know that God is with me on this job. So the first response the first thing he gives them is responsibility. He says, you're, you're, you're going to work. You're, you're going to work a job. And it's not because you know, I'm angry at you. It's not because you fail. You didn't even fall yet. I'm, I'm giving you this job because it gives you responsibility to reflect my glory. The second thing that he gives them, and we often miss this one. The second thing he gives them, according to verse 16, is freedom. He says in verse 16, you are free to eat from every tree in the garden. But what we've done is We often think that God is trying to rob us of joy because we skip verse 16 and go to verse 17. God said, don't eat of that tree. But wait, first he said, eat from everything else. And so what we've done is we think God is withholding joy from you and you think God is withholding blessings from you because he told you not to do something in verse 17. But hear me and hear me well. You should rest in verse 16 for a bit because verse 16 says you're free. That's how it starts. You are free to eat from every other tree. And real freedom is not doing whatever you want. Real freedom is doing whatever you want in the context and the boundaries that God sets. See, we don't like boundaries. We want to do something outside of the boundaries. But that ain't freedom. That's bondage. Freedom is operating and doing whatever you want to do as long as it's in the context of the boundaries God set. You, you do know that Friday was... Um, was National Donut Day. Friday was National Donut Day, so I I was generous. Y'all in the third service, so y'all can tear these up if you want to. I went and got some donuts. Bam. And they're not just donuts. Like, these these are dough donuts. It's just a difference. This ain't Dunkin' Donuts. This is dough donuts. And here's what God is saying in verse 16. In verse 16, God says, you are free to eat from everything. But, but, but don't miss this. Verse 17, That there's one tree, one tree that is off limits. Now, here's the question I have for you. Is God really trying to rob you of joy by telling you not to eat this when he's giving you this? But what we do is the enemy twists our mind to think that there's joy and pleasure in this. And the reality is the joy and the pleasure is right here. Do you know what's over here? You got hibiscus. You got lemon poppy seed. I got some toasted coconut, some dos de leche, some coconut, some almond. I don't like this one because it got Nutella and Nutella is nasty. Uh, But but, but you 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 got all of this freedom. But hear me. This is what you choose. You don't choose what God has for you, what we choose this. And we do it on so many areas of our in so many areas of our life. Husbands and wives, man, we do it in marriage. God gave you freedom and marriage to do what you would like in terms of sexual pleasure. You can swing from the chandeliers. You can enjoy. But we lust after we lust after what we can't have. And so what we do is husbands, we be like, yo, shorty over there. But what about shorty at home? Because this is at home. But we go out. We do this in relationships. Brothers, hear me. We chase five minutes of pleasure. Two minutes. Of pleasure. Oh, y'all ain't gonna say y'all gonna get deep. <laughs> y'all gonna get deep. I slipped it in. First service, I was just out there. We we search after a few minutes of pleasure, and you think you're free because I'm a free spirit. I can make whatever decision I want. It's bondage because freedom is here. We do the ladies. Y'all do this too. Y'all like, but he loved me, and, and some of y'all are dating this. So, so some of y'all are. Pre- some of y'all have given your. They, this slipped in your DMs. And you've entertained it, but really what you're doing is you are setting yourself up for bondage when God is like, it ain't a donut here, you can't have. You can have every one of these, but you want this. And for some reason, we think, we honestly think that God is trying to rob us of joy when in reality it's actually the opposite. Verse 16, this is deep. Verse 16 comes before verse 17. Ain't that deep? Because in verse 16, he says you're free eat from every tree, but that one you get. And you seem to think that you would do something different than Adam did. You you, you think that Adam made the decision to go after this, but I would never do that. You see that over there? I would choose that every time, but here's the reality. We choose this every day. The only difference between your decisions and Adam's decisions is Adam's decisions got caught in scripture and yours didn't. Because if God dedicated a chapter to your decisions, what would it read? If we sat in here and went through just a chapter of all the decisions you made, we'd be like, he's foolish. She's foolish. But yet we look at Adam and for some reason we think that Adam did something that we would never do. But the reality is we choose the munchkin over the pile of donuts all the time. And so what he's saying is he's saying, I'm giving you responsibility, but I'm not just giving you responsibility. I'm also going to give you freedom. Do that with our money. With our money, we'd be like, you know, God has given you abundance. Some of y'all make a lot of money and God has given you all that. But what you do is God is like, I just want a piece. I just I just want some of it to come back to me. You, you can steward. You can manage. You can put it in 401ks. You can put it in retirement plan. You can do whatever you want with the rest of it. But there's a piece that I'm, I'm asking you to give to me. But what we do is we think God is robbing us of joy. So we don't want to even give him a piece. And what you're doing you're really in bondage. You are not in freedom. And so Paul is going to he's going to dig back into the passage that we're in right now. Here it is. You and I in this room have been affected by Adam. How do I know? Here's a little bit of a lengthy reading. Stay with me. Look at what he chooses. God told, We know what God said. We know God said, eat of every tree, but don't eat of this tree. Now, me, I, I'm like Adam, like, bro, build a fence around the tree. So you'll never touch it. But watch what Adam does. Verse one of chapter three. Y'all still with me? Now, the serpent was most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it. She added this or touch it or you will die. Verse four. No, you will not die. The serpent said to the woman, in fact, God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. Watch how foolish this is. So they sewed fig leaves together to uh, to make coverings for themselves. Those things will dry up by tomorrow. Verse eight. Watch it. he It's more foolishness. Then the man said to his wife, uh, said, uh, th- and the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze and they hid themselves from the Lord. Do you know how foolish that is? That God in heaven, you think God in heaven actually is looking going, man, I can't see Adam and Eve. See, that's what sin does. Sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you foolish. It's temporary mental insanity. Whenever we fall down and we we go into a depth of sin and we're chasing the munchkin versus eating what God has given you, we are temporarily insane because it makes us foolish. Here's foolishness. Number one, they took fig leaves, which is going to dry up, which will not last for them. It's temporary. But not only that, they probably got behind a tree and hid from the God who created the tree. From the God who created them, you cannot hide from God. Look at what God does, first question ever asked in the Bible. Here it is, verse 9. So the Lord called out the man and said, where are you? Like, whenever God asks a question, it's always rhetorical. You, like, God's not in heaven going, oh, my God, I really can't find them. Spirit, did you see them? Jesus, did you, wh- where are they at? I can't find where they are. And, and God is not in heaven sitting there really waiting for them to say, here I am. He's exposing to them that you're far from me. He's exposing to them that I know that you did something and you broke fellowship. You disconnected. The first thing sin does in relationships, it breaks your relationship with the Lord. But it doesn't just break your relationship with the Lord. It breaks our relationship with others. Verse 10. And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Then he asks, who told you that you were naked? Again, rhetorical. Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man replied. Now, watch. The first distortion is your relationship with the Lord. Watch the second one. The woman you gave me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree and I ate it. So in other words, sin always distorts relationship with God, but it distorts relationship with us. Because the first thing Adam does is points at his wife and say, it's her fault. But she, she, she likes the blame game, too. And watch what happens. The man replied, the woman you gave me, she gave me some of the fruit and, of the tree and I ate. So the Lord God asked the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So God looks at the serpent, says to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will, uh, you will move on your belly and eat the dust all of the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head and you'll strike his heel. And he said to the woman, now he's turning from the serpent to the woman. I will intensify your labors and uh, your, your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort, one woman that's uh, expecting a baby or if you're a husband and you're going to be holding your wife's hand, you need to thank Eve for childbearing that is painful. In fact, y'all can take that up with her when y'all see her. Yeah. But not only that, your desire will be of uh, that for your husband and he will rule over you. Verse 17. And he said to the man, because you have listened to your wife and ate the, uh, from the tree about which I commanded you, Uh, Do not eat from it, the ground is cursed because of you. And you will eat uh, from it by the means of painful labor, and all the days of all the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat of the plants of the field, you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were naked. Now notice something here. Adam and Eve really don't have an expiration date. He created them. We don't know if they're gonna die, but now that they've eaten eaten from a forbidden tree, and they were disobedient to the Lord, he now pronounces that you'll die. How, I, how do I know that? Because it says, from, for you are dust, and you will return to dust. The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living things. The Lord God made clothing from skin for the man and his wife and clothed them. Do you know how dope that is? Because here's the reality. God, God, God shows us or Moses shows us that they've created, uh, took fig leaves and created for themselves coverings. But we know that that's temporary. So God is so gracious. He said, I'm going to give you something that's longer lasting. I'm going to put skin on you. Now, here's what's crazy. Where do they get the skin from? Because everything is is perfect continuity up until this point. Ain't no slaughtering. Ain't no killing. So where do you get skin to cover them? Here it is. I love God because he's so holy that his holiness would not allow their disobedience and sin to not go punished. But instead of killing Adam and Eve, he sacrificed an animal and put the skin on them. See, because God will never allow our sin to just go unpunished, which is why we rejoice in Jesus Christ. And we're not up here sacrificing animals because there's a sacrifice. See, God is the first one to provide a sacrifice for Adam and Eve. But he's the last one to provide a sacrifice for you and I. Let's finish up here, at least uh, Genesis 3. And the Lord said, since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out. And take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So here's grace. So the Lord... God sent him away from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which it was taken. He drove the man out and stationed a cherubim and a flaming whirling sword east of the garden of Eden to guard the way of the tree of life. Do you know what God just did? God's like, listen, he was foolish to make the decision to eat of the forbidden tree. So therefore, I can't trust him again. So I got to kick him out of the garden. That's grace. That is grace. It is not. It is. You think it's a punishment because God sent him out of the garden. But if he left him in the garden, he might eat again from the tree. So God is like, I'm going to kick you out, but I'm not just going to kick you out. I don't trust you. So I'm going to put a cherubim with a flaming torch in front to guard the tree to stop you from going down. See, that's what I love about God. God has a way of stopping our foolishness from continuing. So he kicks him out of the garden. And I know what you're doing. I I, I know what you're doing. You are saying right now, that's a nice story, but what does Adam have to do with me? Everything. The moment Adam sinned and died, you died. Okay. The moment that Adam ate of that, was disobedient to God and ate from that tree, you might as well ate from the tree because you and I have died. Everything that Adam did messed up. I mean, that's why we got tsunamis. That's why we got hurricanes. That's why we got sickness. That's why we got death. You and I have been affected by Adam. So in other words, there is that war that I'm talking about within is the nature of Adam. I love the way David says in Psalm 51, David says, behold, I was Brought forth an iniquity and in sin did my mother conceived me. That doesn't mean that David's parents were in the back of a Toyota Camry at the creep spot. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that the moment I was born, I was a sinner. The moment, like, hear me, it was over before it started before you. You, you, you didn't sin and then have a nature of sin. You sinned because you had a nature of sin. There's a difference in how, don't flip-flop this. You are a sinner at the core of who you are. And I know you're in here like, Pastor, you tell me I'm a sinner every single week. That's depressing. No, it's actually rejoicing because sinners get to be in the presence of God if we trust it in Jesus. So it actually helps us to rejoice. And David was born a sinner because his father was a sinner. And because his father was a sinner and his father was a sinner and his father was a sinner. Tracing all the way back to the original sin. The original sin has fractured the world. And for some reason, we, we think that our sin doesn't affect others. We think that we sin in a vacuum, but your sin has a ripple effect. When Adam sinned, it affected another generation and another generation. And another, like, wouldn't it be wonderful if we got to the place where we made decisions based on knowing how our sin was going to impact somebody else? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we thought about our children and our children's children and their friends and wh- your sin has the ability to fracture all of that your sin has the ability to mess up a whole like can you imagine that an entire generation that is not born yet your sin has the ability to affect them you have inherited sin because of Adam when I go to the doctor that you know if, I, if I'm going for an illness and I present my present symptoms they always say to me well does, does your father have high blood pressure does your mother have asthma? And they, why are they going down the history? Because they know I'm infected. They know that it's inherited, that a lot of it is traced back to something. And here it is. This is what I found out in the scripture that our sin is an infection that we got all the way back from Adam. And it has ripple effects. Your decisions, you, you think it's fun. Cause I know how we do. I lived a miserable life of sin. Nah, it wasn't that miserable. Oh, y'all being deep today. It's, it's, it's What time is it? It's 2.35. Y'all being deep today. No, sin might not have been, it might not have been unpleasurable, but here's the reality. Your sin has affected somebody else. It has affected those that aren't even born yet. So here's the question. How does it impact us? Go to Romans chapter 5. Um, the remainder of my time, I'll just deal with a few of what Paul is saying now that we understand Genesis 2. Now that we understand Genesis 3, look at what he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because all have sinned. Look down at verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in his likeness, in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the one to come, Paul identifies that Adam is a representative of all of humanity. Paul is, is basically saying Adam messed it up for you so bad that the, the tug and the, the pull that you have towards sin, it, it isn't something like anomaly. It's actually a part of who you are. See, the reason why it's easy to fall into sin and hard to do the things of God is because you have a bent towards sin. It, like, it's natural. It, sin doesn't take Sin is easy. But but discipline in spiritual things is hard. Fasting is hard. I need somebody that's hungry to say amen. Listen, reading your word takes discipline. Prayer takes work. And we don't like to work. The reason why we don't like to work is because Adam is inside of you going. Come on back here. The original sin is inside of you, pulling you back, which is why it's always easier to fall into sin than do the things of God, because sin is a text message away you can slide in somebody DMs right now and be in sin this afternoon. And so so, so I pray that God would make sinning hard. I pray that you you would be so convicted by sin that you know that Christ is, the nature of Christ is ruling over you in such a way that Adam doesn't have a pull on you anymore, but we've submitted to Adam. Adam is some of your lords. Adam is the the God that you were submitting to, but you would never say that publicly, but your life reflects that. And here's but I know the moment that Adam sinned, Bible says here in verse 12 that death spread to all men. That This idea of death re- refers to two things, a physical death. We know Adam and Eve ain't walking to earth no more because God said you're going to return to dust. But it also refers to a spiritual death. The moment he died, you and I spiritually died. And we've been that's why the scriptures are two chapters of man in perfect state. The rest of them. It's all us trying to get back to the Lord. The rest of it is all us warring, trying to get back to God. And I love the way Paul says it later on in Ephesians chapter two. You were dead in the trespasses of your sin in which you once walked following the course of this world. And the prince of power of the air. And then here it is, the nature. He says, and by nature, you were children of wrath. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of your D and A, which is why it's always easier to fall into it, because this word death spread, this word spread in the Greek literally means transmission. You were transmitted. You have a spiritual disease called sin. And that spiritual disease, you got in contact with it the moment you were born because you were born of a sinner. And then, see, here's why Jesus is dope, because when Jesus comes on the scene, he ain't born of Joseph. So he's able to skip all types of sin because what Mary was was just a womb that held our Lord and Savior. So he's able to be born sinless. You and I, not so much. You and I have to be born with some type of inherited sin because it's hereditary. It's a part of you, who you are. And you think that taking two pills and calling the doctor in the morning is going to be the remedy to get you out of sin. But it's not. It's not. Thoroughflu ain't going to help you. Robitussin ain't gonna help you. Here's the crazy thing. Those of us who know that we've been infected with sin, we always want to argue with the doctor on how to cure us. Like my, 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 my oldest son when he was younger, you know, we, if he got sick, we'd give him Robitussin, but he only liked grape. He didn't like no other, no other Robitussin. But I went to Rite Aid and Rite Aid didn't have the grape and he had a fever. So I had to make sure that I grabbed uh, the cherry. I get home and he didn't want it. But I'm like, you're sick. Who are you? You don't get to tell me what's good for you. You need to take it. And unfortunately, we we don't like the 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 calling that God has, what he what he uses as a restorative message, a measure. What I love is God diagnoses us today. He says you're sick. You have a transmitted disease and the transmitted disease that you have is called sin. And you where'd you get that from? You contacted it from Adam the moment you were born. Now, I know you're going, that's unfair, Pastor. That's not right. I I didn't do it. I didn't fall. i never I don't even know what a garden is. I didn't eat of the tree. Why in the world have I been affected by somebody else's decision? You want to know what's really not fair? Verse 15 to 21. What's really not fair? You think it's not fair and you big mad at Adam because Adam ate of the forbidden fruit and therefore you've been impacted. But here's what's really not fair, that by one man's act of righteousness, many were made righteous. It is not fair that the sinless one, Jesus Christ, walked on this earth and never sinned and got on a cross to take your sin and you get accepted by a God that deems you as spotless and you know you're not. Now, that's not fair. And if we play the not fair game, yeah, you might feel like it's not fair and you might be mad at Adam and you got questions for Adam. I have no questions for Adam. I'm falling at the feet of Jesus because Jesus has fixed what Adam did. He's able to restore what Adam did. Look at verse 15. It says, but the gifts, the gift is not like the trespass for if by one man's trespass, many died. Well, here it is. How much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to many? And the gift is not like one man's sin, because from one sin came judgment. Resulting in condemnation, but for many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. Since by one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will God, uh, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteous, righteousness reign in the life of through the one man, Jesus Christ. So then as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as though one man's disobedience, uh, the, the many were made sinners. So also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even the more. Praise God. Verse 21. So that uh, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, if it is unfair that Adam has infected us it should be unfair that you are deemed righteous by the act of Jesus Christ essentially what is happening on the cross uh, the way second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says it, it says for god made him jesus who knew no sin so that he might become, so that we might become the righteousness of God. God made Christ who knew no sin to be sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of Christ. Did you understand what happened on the cross? All of your sin is imputed on him, but what's imputed on you is a life that you didn't deserve and live, which is life in Christ. It's righteousness. And so if it is unfair, we got to be fair. We got to say, well, you know what? It's unfair that I'm Received as spotless, although I'm really a sinner. It's, it's unfair that I am deemed, if I've trusted in Jesus, if I've trusted and put my faith in the work of Christ, I am deemed as blameless, although you can be blamed for much this morning. But you were deemed as spotless and righteous. In Adam, I was condemned, but in Christ, I get justification. In, in Adam, I'm guilty. I mean, yeah, I'm guilty, but in Christ, I'm innocent. In Adam, death reigns, but in Christ, life reigns. In Adam, I am a sinner, but in Christ, I am spotless. In Adam, I was lost, but in Christ, I am found. In Adam, I received death, but in Christ, I received life. Look at your neighbor and say, I praise God for liberty in Christ. There's a song that says, I got my liberty. I got my liberty. I got my liberty in Christ. My chains are broken down. Jesus has set me free. I got my liberty in Christ. And I love the way Paul will say it later on. He says he with the son set free. It's free, free indeed. You are free because Jesus Christ has fixed what Adam messed up. Yeah, I know Adam broke it all. I know I know you got to work from the sweat of your brow. Some of y'all going to work right when we done. Some of y'all are coming here from I get it. I understand. But here's what I know. I can rejoice in my savior, because even though all that's going to happen now, one day, one day, I will not have to work to the sweat of my brow. One day, I will not have to evangelize because everybody around me is saved. One, One day we will not have to go to hospital visits because there ain't no hospitals in heaven. Well, one day we will not have to go to the morgue because there is no death in heaven, but we'll get to enjoy God forever. Why? Because of one act of righteousness through the work of Jesus Christ. And I thought you'd be a little bit more excited about that. There are two representatives in you, Adam and Christ. And which one are you submitting to? Three years ago, I went to um, I went to Israel. And when I went to Israel, they there's two bodies of water in Israel. There's two main bodies, I should say. The first is to the north, it's the Sea of Galilee. You've ever heard of the Sea of Galilee? There are many stories in the New Testament about the Sea of Galilee, and in this sea, there's life and there's fishing and there's vegetation, there's seaweed, there's actually vegetables on the shore because it's actually not a sea uh, as in salt, but it's, it's actually like fresh water. It's more like a lake. It is beautiful. I've been there. I've jumped in the Sea of Galilee and got to swim. Beautiful. And it represents life. But if you go 60 miles no, uh, south, 60 miles south, there's another body of water. It's called the Dead Sea. And in the Dead Sea, there's an inlet. So water pours in. But there is no outlet. And because there is no outlet, water, two million uh, pounds of water pours in on a daily basis. And when it sits in this in this in this pond, like it evaporates. But what you're left with is a higher concentration of salt. And so because the salt, it's 10 times saltier than any ocean. And the reason it's so salty is because the water is not flowing. So no fish can swim and live and survive in the Dead Sea. There's no seaweed. Listen, I've also swam in the Dead Sea. You literally can't drown. The salt lifts you back up and the minerals lift you back up. When you're walking, they tell you, be careful, watch your feet, because there's salt crystals on the shore, thistles and thorns and salt. And and, and it's no life. It's no It's nothing. And what you have is two bodies of water 60 miles from apart. One is life and one is death. And and in a deeper way, that is what Paul is saying. In a deeper way, Paul is saying you don't only have those two bodies of water, life and death in you, but you have Adam, death, Christ, life. And who who is ruling over your life right now? You're, You're trying to figure out why can't I stop doing this? Didn't Paul say that. Paul says, "The good that I would do, I find myself not doing." Anybody identify with that? Yeah. Well, your intentions were to do right, but you got in the midst of it and you messed up. Yeah. See, you got to you got to know your nature. Yeah. You you got to know that you have a bent towards sin, and you your bent towards sin means you can't go everywhere. Yeah. It means you can't have every conversation. Uh-oh, you can't like every picture. Yeah. You can't talk to every person in DM. You can't hug too long. OK, see, this y'all be a deep today. But this is real because you got to know your bit because one long hug, you'd be like, "Ooh, he like me. <laughs> one long hug and, and, and she and you'll feel like she feeling me. But in reality, it's your bit towards sin. And at the end of the day, all of us are sinners. None of us escape it. If you're pregnant in here, your cute little bundle of joy will be affected by sin. And you have to raise that child to know that they have two natures. If they've trusted in Christ, they got the nature of Adam. But if they've trusted in Christ, they also got the nature of Christ. Now, some of you in here, you came in here and you're dealing with a lot and you're dealing with a lot. And honestly, you think you think that you can have a handle on the nature of sin, but you can't. Listen, you're not strong enough. Now, I read the end of the story. Christ will overcome and be victorious. But you, you're not ready. You're not strong enough to stop trying to control the nature. It's a beast. It is an animal. Don't don't underestimate how strong the power of sin is. It's deep. Because why is it deep? Because every fabric of your being has been affected from the time you were born. Now here's the question. When did when did Christ redeem us? Like when, when did he say, did he wait for me to get it together That's what we do. I'll give my life to the Lord once I stop doing this. No, watch what he says here, and I'll end here. Look at verse 6. Go backwards. We're in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. He says, While you were helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, okay. That didn't get you. Verse 8, God proves his own love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, that didn't get you. Verse 10, keeps on going. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Like Paul just said, God lavished love on you while you were helpless, while you were a sinner, and while you were an enemy of God. That's when he said, that's mine. So you think that your past has disqualified you, but in reality, your past didn't disqualify you. It made you a prime candidate because God looks down and says they're dysfunctional, they messy, they got the nature of Adam. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lavish love on them. And when I lavish love on them, they're going to see that I'm more beautiful than the temporary pleasure that they've been having. Who in here has been ruled by Adam? And you've been submitting to Adam. You've been giving your life to Adam. Today it should stop. There's a new master that's on the throne that's knocking going, I'm at the door of your heart. and I want you to accept me. And if you have accepted me, I want you to stop submitting to Adam because I have rule and I have reign. And I know the end of the story. Do you know what God said when we first fell? He said he said to the serpent, you're going to bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. Like I'd rather a bruised heel than a crushed head because a a crushed head is fatal. And that is what Jesus Christ will do when he comes back for us. You it's really not a war at all. See, it's a war for you because you're wrestling. But for Christ, like we don't believe in dualism like God. Uh, Christ and, 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 and uh, the enemy don't have equal power. Oh, Christ will. Christ will flex his muscles. But while we're here, we have to submit to Christ and not submit to Adam. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. Father, may we hide this word in our heart. Because reality is many of us are wrestling. Adam has ruled over us and Adam has informed our decisions When I say Adam, God, I mean the nature of sin. And it's tricky. It's tricky, oh God. We get bad. We don't go into it thinking we're going to sin. That's a rare person. Reality is we go into it thinking we're strong enough. But the moment we get into it, that thing eats us alive. So we fall into the nature that we have. But Father, I pray today. That that nature wouldn't rule over us. That Christ would rest in our hearts in such a way that we would see the beauty of him. And seeing the beauty of him helps us to see the fleetingness of everything else. The fickleness of everything else. So, Father, tomorrow's not promised, Lord. I know somebody in here thinks they got time. But they don't have time. You know when that day will end for them. My deepest fear, oh God, is that they'll hear this and Stay in love with the original sin and not love you. So, Father, I pray, oh God, that you would ransom hearts in this room. Ransom hearts that don't know you. I love Ephesians 1:18. for the, having the eyes of their heart enlightened. That's what we need. We need you to enlighten our dead hearts. And for the one that has trusted in you, oh God, but has been going back to that thing, oh God, break it today. Deliver today. Set free today. God, I'm not just, this is not a hyperbole prayer. I genuinely pray that you would break that stronghold so that we can enjoy you. Christ, then we pray. Amen.